Happy Labor Day from Real Original, and thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to be discussing the movie Labor Day. Very convenient. My name's Dave. My name's Trevor. I'm girl Trevor. I mean, I'm Kelsey. Just two weird siblings. Da 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 da. Oh, geez. Yeah. Guys, the All podcast's right. just getting started. <laughs> We got to save the weird stuff for at least halfway through this. All right. All right. All right. All right. Put it back in the bottle. (laughs) Today, we're going to be discussing Labor Day. Like I said, it was written and directed by Jason Reitman. Stars Kate Winslet, Josh Brolin, uh, some kid nobody cares about, and Tobey Maguire and J.K. Simmons was in it. Yeah. Tobey Maguire, it really, I just want to say immediately that that was like a twist ending for me when he grew up to be <laughs> Tobey Maguire. I did not know that was Tobey Maguire narrating the whole time. Yeah, who knew Henry was going to grow up to be Spider-Man? <laughs> what a twist. There should really be a puffy cheek contest between the child actor and Tobey Maguire because they are just precious. Sometimes they really miss when they cast a, an older actor to play a young actor, but they actually looked like very similar. Tobey Maguire looked like somebody that Henry could grow up into. And I was really? like, good job. I didn't think crew. that. I thought that the teenage version, when I saw him, I was like, oh, he looks a lot like the child version. But then Tobey Maguire, I was like, I don't know how we got here. I saw it happening. Interesting. Right. Okay. We all have different takes. Treb, what was your take? Well, I did prepare an opening statement. Uh, would you like to hear it? You're the host. It is the opening. I would love to hear your opening statement two minutes into the podcast. Go right ahead. All right. Excellent. I I noted that dig and I will get you back. (laughs) Labor Day is a baffling awards bait turd of the first order. It was written by someone who might be described as having liked the idea of the cider house rules after having it described to him. I will not allow any positive statements regarding this movie to pass with impunity. This was difficult to write without swearing. After watching this film, I had a couple beers and a steak dinner, and I'm still disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and get one swear off your chest, Trav. You, you earned it. Okay. Um, this movie made Josh Brolin look like a dipshit. Okay. Uh, Can I just say real quick, and I texted this to Dave, do you know what really bothered me about Josh Brolin in this movie, Trevor? How into him you were? No, the first half of the movie, he looked like our former stepfather, Greg. Oh, I totally thought that. Yes. Like up until he shaved the goatee, I was so uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. him having this romance with this woman. I was like, oh, God, our stepfather is back. (laughs) Yeah. But then he like shaved the goatee and I was like, oh, no, he actually has like a strong chin, handsome face under the goatee. Well, this podcast has a weird history of stirring up former family drama and, and airing some things out. So if y'all want to talk about this, let's do it. Dave, you're going to be our therapist. I'm a, I'm a great therapist. I'll, I'll just be like, okay, uninteresting. Back to the movie, which is what you need to hear, I think. But the trouble is normally we have an interesting movie to go back to. And, and this movie kind of flounders with that. Uh, if there's any compliment that I can give to Labor Day, Treb, I, I know you're kind of like raising your sword there, ready to combat, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the closest thing to a compliment I can give is that this movie was not what I expected it to be, and, and it did somewhat subvert my expectations by just being different. I agree. Yeah, it was not exactly what I expected. It wasn't good. In a way, it was like boring. It was, I'm sorry, it was bad in the most painfully boring way that it could have mm. been bad instead of like 
See, that Uncle was my Sam, feeling too. Which was like kind of interestingly bad. Right. No, this this movie was bad in the way that at the start of every scene, you immediately know how the next three minutes are going to play out. And I don't even just mean that in terms of plot. I also mean that in terms of cinematography, because this movie just looked like sepia tone trash to me. Hmm. And as, as somebody who loves, um, Oh brother, where art thou? Hmm. This movie looks really bad. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you mention up the sepia tone because, and, and the predictability of each scene, because this movie felt like a rom-com without being a rom-com. We've, yeah. we've discussed them in the past, of course, how they're kind of formulaic and expected. And this movie had all the worst parts of the rom-com genre with none of the humor. Yeah. Every scene I could just see where it was going. Um, the sexy pie making scene made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially cause the sun was in there too. Yeah. Just like him, his hands on her hands, helping her form a pie. I thought there was going to be a big twist in the movie because I missed, I missed a critical scene. I, I missed just a split second where the woman who can, can we spoil parts of this movie now, Dave? Yeah. Let's spoil it. Hop in. Okay. Uh, gosh, I guess we have to like, set up the fact that Josh Brolin is like an escaped convict, right? Uh, and he, that's like the, the description of the movie didn't mention that at all. It just said like a weird long Labor Day weekend or something like that, um, which kind of sounds like how Bill and Ted would describe this movie maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Somebody help, help pick up the slack with this because this – there's a lot to unpack and it, the problem is there's, it unpacks in this movie at the rate of, Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, frozen molasses downhill. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I caught yeah. it at the exact moment. This, this film was an hour and 50 minutes and it, I just, I kept like, I kept thinking there's got to be like 15 minutes left. And then I'd like move my mouse to see how much was left. And there was like a full hour left. Yeah. This movie was longer than I thought it was. And so the movie starts off with basically what we know is a depressed mom and her son. They run into a man at a grocery store that seems sketchy and, and unknown. They don't know what's going on. And then later they learn that there's an escaped convict. Things happen. The convict holds them hostage while they willingly let him stay there and they sort of fall in love over the weekend over Labor Day weekend and the movie the tone it has is like an uneasy suspenseful thriller while never really raising the stakes to you never feel like the characters are in danger how's that for a setup Treb Uh, that's solid yeah 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 I think you got it yeah this movie had violence against the disabled in it. Oh. Uh, so that's a fact. I, I don't True. know. Anybody want to touch that one? That was probably the most uncomfortable part of the <laughs> yeah. movie for me. That was the highest the stakes got when the mom slapped her disabled son. I was like, ooh. Yeah. And to, it has no context in the rest of the movie. It's just this weird woman. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that each scene you kind of knew what was going to happen three minutes out um and once they introduced the mom as being like here's my disabled son i have to drive somewhere Mm -hmm. i kind of saw the violence against him happening so even the slap didn't catch me off guard which it may have had some cinematic credibility had it caught me off guard but 
the way it was, it was just a mother slapping her disabled son really hard. And it was like, okay, that, that wasn't fun. Yeah, and I also, like, initially when she got there with him, I didn't see, you know, that he was clearly disabled. I just heard her asking, you know, to leave her son there. And I feel like that would have raised the stakes more, him trying to stay hidden from, like, a child that could fully communicate. Um, Instead, I was like, oh, it's going to be fine because the son can't really talk, and I bet his mom doesn't really listen to him. And it was just another way to show, like, Oh, Josh Berlin's character, he's a convict, but he's actually a really good guy. Watch him involve this disabled child in their game of catch. Well, speaking of that, there was we've already mentioned the one scene where the disabled child was abused. But I really think that hitting baseballs at somebody in a wheelchair without their full faculties, I don't think that was nice either. <laughs> no, I think it was supposed to be portrayed as nice, but yeah, that that would be probably frightening. Yeah, it was frightening to watch. That's what I kind of thought was happening when they when they did that scene, was they were going to set up hurting the kid in that scene or something. And then I was like, oh, oh this is just like a really twee family moment where it's like oh america baseball yeah (laughs) yeah i love josh brolin you never really get like a sense what his character is supposed to be like he just like shows up and it's like oh he's a good dude he's fixing stuff around their house he's baking a pie he's manly but like in all the right ways the song real human being from the drive soundtrack is just playing in in uh my ears right now Okay. It's just he. He's like, yeah, man. I don't know. Um, Like a a striking thing is that they're like, well, yeah. They kind of imply, well, yeah. Spoiler alert. He he killed his wife, but it wasn't that bad. It was an accident. Kind of an accident. Like he pushed her over. Like that's still battery. Right. But they were like, they're like, oh, he didn't mean to. And she cheated on him. Yeah, and the whole B story where they gradually add in flashbacks from his past over and over again, the whole B story was just confusing as hell. Like, I didn't realize it was Frank for a long time. Same. And then I was like, okay, they've got the same jaw and, and like, hair, like so they're eyes. probably the same. Yeah, they're probably the same character. And then they started to layer in, like, a child and a wife, and I was like, oh, is this why he's in jail? But then they revealed what actually happened to the wife and child. And I was like, oh, that's why he's in jail? Question mark? Well, and I was confused on the baby drowning. Like, had she already drowned the baby and then gone downstairs? Or like... Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get that either. I, I didn't think... So the way the flashbacks looked is is the wife was on the ground at one point and then they showed the water going over the tub and I thought somehow like she drowned in the tub and he moved her body or something but then later they reveal that the kid's in the tub but they never show the kid in the tub but obviously he was in the tub. Right and she just like is downstairs hanging out anyway so I'm like was the mom like leaving the baby to drown? I mean either way she shouldn't have left him alone so. I just, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, was she trying to frame dad for a murder to get out of a relationship and get away from the kid? And yeah. like, how old was the kid at that time, by the way? Right. I I hate that you've made part of this movie make more sense to me. That I did not pick <laughs> up on view. I hate it. Because now I have to say something positive 
in that it's not as bad as the idea that I thought they had and poorly executed in front of me. I, I am, I'm trying to get you nationally recognized, mm. Dave, by um, getting like somebody like Josh Brolin to be enraged at this loser uh, 30-something uh, guy just talking to you on his podcast. 30-something? 30-something, yes. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I would love to have Josh Brolin be mad at me. I think he's a very handsome man, and I feel like I could uh, do something with that. I just want handsome men to yell at me. <laughs> Can I just say that he was at his most handsome at the end of the movie when you see him with his uh, his old man dad bod? I thought he looked like Joaquin Phoenix at first, which is not a bad thing. I was okay. like, oh, he got old and gross just like we all do. <laughs> I was like, hi, Brolin, Daddy. Yikes. <laughs> I was also confused about the element of, so he, spoiler alert, he gets caught, and then to keep the her, the mother, from getting in trouble for aiding and abetting him, he makes it look like he did tie them up and hold them hostage. Um, and then, so he goes back to prison. He gets time added on for the kidnapping. And then I was confused on like why she sent him letters he couldn't or didn't open. And they were like, we found out he moved prisons. And then she just like never tried again. I was like, isn't there some kind of record she could find out where he got transferred to? She went to see him one time and he was in solitary. You're right. This... This movie is like a, the architecture of it is like a string of baffling pearls. And I'm going to use the word baffling. That's my new trademark uh, when I come on the podcast. Nobody else can use baffling. Okay. But I, I feel like this was all like done so ham-fistedly at the end to like try and make it somehow more poignant that they, because once again, spoiler alert for this terrible movie, they do end up together. At the very end, he gets out of prison She's still living in the same house. He goes back to her. Um, I feel like they were trying to make it more poignant, though. But I was like, it just doesn't make sense. He doesn't talk to her for 20 years and he gets out and like. Yeah. And I'm still confused as to how the police knew that Frank was in the house. Was that part of the note that young Henry gave to his real birth dad? Did he say Frank is in the house and we're moving to Canada with convicted felon Frank? Well, I think the one, yeah, I don't know. I think her friend told them he was there. The, the little girl? The boy's mother. Oh, see, I thought you were talking about Henry's girlfriend. Uh, was her name Molly? Maggie? Mm, I don't remember. But the little, the young blonde gal, uh, she kind of figured yeah. out who was in the home. So she could have told someone. But at the same time, like, I don't think she knew where he lived or yeah like why would she be credible i don't know no, like I, I was assuming the police showed up possibly from like for multiple reasons because like the one police officer had been there they'd been acting weird and then the mother of the disabled boy shows up with a baked good as a gift and he's there alone and the house is empty and he's like i'm just a handyman so i thought maybe she called the cops yeah, she could have called the cops. One of the things that I thought was going to happen with her was when Henry went up to 
check out his room before they left. I thought he was going to find her body in that room. I thought that too. I did too. I did. Yeah. But then I was like, that can't be what happened. I feel like they would have mentioned the murder. If that had happened, this would have become the greatest movie ever yeah. made suddenly. It's like, well, now he's doing like, I did think I was like, oh, like he is more violent than they thought. Yeah, and Treb brings up a good point that, like, this movie was really close to being something interesting. If they would have just, like, even after the movie, after they get back together, if they would have flashed back and shown that woman's dead body in his room, it would let you know, like, holy crap, Frank killed that woman, the family knows, and they still accept him as a as a stepfather figure. Of course, that would be really confusing with the police situation being there but like maybe they hide the body somehow like the movie was really close to being interesting and it just didn't make it yeah and by the way when i say it's close to being interesting i mean it from the Shyamalan perspective that it was close to having an interesting twist at the end it still would not have made this a great movie and speaking of Shyamalan, this whole movie reminded me of Shyamalan's worst work because every freaking actor in this movie was underacting like crazy there was no emotion in this movie at all there were no smiles there was really no anger there was nothing shown and i knew that's what it was going to be from the intro scene of frank josh brolin's convict character because he walks up to young henry he's like his abdomen's covered in blood it actually looks like he'd been shot like when you're watching the movie for the first time you're thinking that's a bullet hole when in reality it was from an appendix removal, but it looks like a a gunshot almost the way the movie frames it. And Frank's just like, Hey kid, you, would your mom give me a ride please? And you're like, Oh crap. This whole movie is going to be like this, isn't it? Like this is the highest the tension is going to be. And the whole movie is about her mom or his mom, uh, giving him a ride. Wow. Hey, Whoa. I, I want to talk about the fact that this director directed some other movies I did not know he did until I looked up after the movie, like who who made this movie. Yeah, He directed that Tully movie I know you really enjoyed, Dave. Which, yeah, very much. Yeah. Uh, he directed Juno. I was just like, what a weird... And one of my favorite comedies, I have a really weird taste in comedies, but he directed a movie called Thank You for Smoking. I did like Thank You for Smoking. I don't know that I'd call it a favorite, but I remember seeing it and really enjoying it. He also wrote that. I liked it too, but I can't remember anything about it. Aaron Eckert's giant mouth is in it. That's the one thing. (laughs) He has a very wide mouth. Very wide mouth, and and he uses it to advocate for smoking in a way that really makes you think, and it makes you laugh. And it subverted your, my expectations quite a bit, which is why it's so shocking that the same director made this movie that was so formulaic. Do I, do I get you demonetized if I talk about how great smoking is in front of children? I I better not. Smoking's very bad, everybody. You really, you really stopped to think about it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, how the hell do you think I'm going to get demonetized when I'm putting money into this podcast? <laughs> That's not really how this podcast works in terms of monetization. Oh. <laughs> um, Sad. No. Anyway, uh, did you guys know that Jason Reitman is directing the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife movie? I did find that, yeah, when I wikipedia <laughs> Isn't that a little scary, though? I hope it's just like this movie. 
Like, after seeing this movie, do you think this guy needs to be given a a truckload of millions of dollars to make an entry in a beloved, uh, highly debated sci-fi franchise? I hope that he just keeps, like, asking for, like, weaker, less energetic performances from all the actors involved. Yeah. Bill Murray, can you please tone it down? Take 100. I need you to be less funny, less charming. (laughs) Wow, even more deadpan Bill Murray. That's impressive. Bill Murray already ruined Ghostbusters 2, so I don't think we need him ruining another one. Fair. I have a tragic lack of knowledge with regard to (laughs) Ghostbusters. Aw, that's fine. You're not missing all that much. It's kind of one of those things that if you watch it now, it can't live up to the expectations. You kind of had to watch it as a kid to to enjoy it as an adult, I think. Mm. Yeah, I still love the first Ghostbusters, but it's hard to know how I would have felt if I didn't see it when I was a child. All right. What else is there to talk about Labor Day? Oh, I have to revise my statement. Yeah. I thought of a positive thing to say about Labor Day. The aging on the Josh Brolin character was somewhat impressive because I think it had to involve CGI. For which part? When young young Brolin, when he's uh, uh, first falling in love. I that was a different actor. Yeah, that was a different actor. I Did, think was that just a guy who looked like Josh Brolin? That's I think incredible. They just, they just found a guy with like squinty eyes, like Josh Brolin. <laughs> okay, or Charles Bronson. Because this is from like 2013. I I don't think they were doing like de aging CGI good enough. Yeah, well, The Matrix is from like 2006 or something. I don't know. Yeah, watch The Matrix today and tell me how good the CGI is. It actually holds up pretty well. It's, like, good for the time. I'm just saying you can tell it's happening. Mm. It's not, like... Oh, it's an art style, like almost. Yeah. I think The Matrix... Uh, no. Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Labor Day. I can talk about The Matrix for a long time, so we can't go down that road. <laughs> All right. This movie reunited Tobey Maguire and J.K. Simmons from the Spider-Man movie. How cool is that? wonder if there's any onset tension between them <laughs> my old rival i personally don't like uh toby mcguire very much and i love jk simmons because of uh portal 2 oh yeah i love jk simmons for lots of reasons but yes P- portal 2 yeah i like jk simmons because he seems like one of those like journeyman actors that just takes every role he gets and he doesn't really play multiple characters. Like, he doesn't have a voice, and he doesn't have a wide range of acting, but he never disappoints at the same time. And there's just something about him that I find really endearing. He's good at shouting. Maybe that's uh, that's why I'll never be a movie critic. But He was really good in the movie that I know you said you'd never watch because it's a comedy, Dave. Uh, Palm Springs, J.K. Simmons. Oh, Palm Springs is great. Yeah, it was really good but I enjoyed his character in that. Um, Back to Labor Day. What a stupid name for this movie. (laughs) It's like they mention Labor Day like once because this kidnapping starts on like the long weekend. That's it. Yeah. And I can offer speculation as to why they called this Labor Day. I think they knew that this movie wasn't going to be extremely profitable or distributable. And they were like, hey, I bet like 
like 10 years from now, there's going to be some rube in the middle of Columbus, Ohio doing a <laughs> podcast. And he thinks he's brilliant for coming up with doing a movie called Labor Day on Labor Day. So maybe we can make some money off of that guy. <laughs> well, the joke's on them because we watched it for free using legal streaming services that use ads. Well, joke's on you because they probably made money from the ads we watched. That's how streaming works. Ah, uh, Do we need an economics lesson? <laughs> curse you, big Emmy bait. <laughs> All right. I'm done. You, you guys routinely reveal to me the number of ways that I'm stupid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing else to say about this movie. You've never listened to the podcast before, have you, Treb? Because it's actually titled, Let's Make Treb Look Stupid. It's not called Real Original. Uh, Did y'all catch the very loose connection to Star Wars in this movie? Very thin thread. Hmm. No. No. Uh, John Williams, the composer of the Star Wars music, conducted and created one song from this movie, the exit song. The, the end title song. <laughs> really? The, the, this was like the most fun fact I could get for y'all about Labor Day. Oh, oh, geez. Can you at least act surprised? Uh, nothing about this movie. I don't know. It's The problem is it's Emmy bait, right? Or is that the right award? I don't even know. I think know. you're looking for Oscar bait. Oscar bait. I'm sorry. I'm so terrible at this medium and you should not have me on this podcast. <laughs> Oscar bait. This movie is like everything about it. Oh, of course, like they had a way bigger guy phoning in the score. Like, do you remember anything about the score? I remember hearing piano sometimes. No. I remember the records that they played and danced to, but they weren't anything to commit to memory or, or condemn or praise. They were just records. Do you remember them? I don't remember like what kind of music they were. Maybe we're just getting older, guys. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like listening music. It was just strictly dance music, like mamba or salsa. I forget what it was, but I remember them mentioning specifically, like Frank said, your mother's a good dancer. Most women don't dance in this type of style in this much of heat. Right. I just forget what it was that he said. Yeah, they did cha-cha and rumba in this movie. So uh, I, I don't know, because those were diegetic scores and like non-diegetic and i'm probably using that term incorrectly no you're using it correctly there was like a bunch of piano stuff that's what i remember piano okay. stuff i'm a musical expert i feel like yeah there was non-diegetic mu- music that was just like again very predictable to the point where you don't remember it now because it was just like exactly the kind of sappy music i expected to hear yeah yeah it was nothing to write home about and i I think it kind of goes to show that john williams only did the one song that i turned off before it started playing and that's probably why i don't remember much of the music but uh yeah music was a dud cinematography wasn't great storyline was bad did you all see that this was based on a book wouldn't you hate reading this book now that you've seen the movie uh i would hate reading this book regardless sir well, then I saw some, like, Rotten Tomatoes comment when I was looking stuff up after that was specifically about, like, don't we have better novels to adapt than this? Yeah. <laughs> like, Stephen King writes a new novel every 13 days. Can't we adapt more of his stuff or just recreate Maximum Overdrive? 
You're obsessed with Maximum Overdrive. Everybody should be obsessed with Maximum Overdrive. It's a hella fun movie, and I'll thank you to respect yeah, it. Yeah, let's let us adapt more Stephen King books more because Doctor Sleep was so good. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic because I heard it was good from somebody. It wasn't. Okay. A lot of people loved it, and I didn't hate it, but from the perspective of making a sequel to one of the greatest horror movies of all time where the director of the shining Stanley Kubrick is like one of the most celebrated directors that's ever lived. Like that took balls to put a sequel to that together. And it definitely wasn't bad. It just, the shining was successful because it took a Stephen King story and removed some of the weird Stephen King stuff from it. It was an out a tour approach to a, Stephen King adaptation it wasn't even it didn't even really feel like an adaptation yeah and that's one of the reasons why Dr. Sleep didn't rise to the Shining's level was it didn't take that auteur approach and it kept in a lot of the silly Stephen King stuff like inhaling vampire souls or whatever that was I don't even know it was so weird right but then trying to like make nods to the Kubrick adaptation in like yeah. the, the shape of the silhouette of the hotel and things. And I was just like, I almost wish they'd done it as if it was in a completely different, I don't know. Time out, time out. Do you guys remember when Neo goes to the Oracle? Oh boy. And yeah. Which time? Uh, no, I just wanted to, I just wanted to derail you guys talking about Dr. Sleep. Cause I've never seen it. And I felt left out. He went to the Oracle multiple times, Trev. You're going to have to be more specific. Um, he only went once in the only good Matrix movie. My favorite Matrix movie is Reloaded, so. Wow. Huh. Bold choice. Yeah. You know, I, so, I will have to watch them again before I criticize you for that. And once you understand where I come from and what I like in movies, it'll probably make more sense. I like movies that are fun, energetic, and silly, like like Maximum Overdrive. And when you look at the Matrix trilogy, the, the middle one is the most like that. It's still a competent story, but things start going off the rails. But the action is hella spot on and just totally works. To me, like I didn't know that was your favorite Matrix movie, but when you said it, I really wasn't very surprised. Yeah. A uh, meta podcast question. Can my thing be that I'm like, uh, a kid's character on a TV show and I come out and I trick you into watching the matrix. I got to have a thing what? or not watching the matrix, but talking about it. What the hell are you talking about right now? Oh, I think he's saying he'll be like a repeated character on the podcast that tries to trick you into bringing up the matrix. You do whatever you want, Trab. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to moderate you or tell you what to say on this podcast. So feel free to bring up the matrix whenever you want. Well, that takes the joy out of tricking you into talking about it. Um, I'm pretty sure you are here to moderate us. I think you told me not to say so many F-bombs. That was trying to moderate Nate and Ricardo (laughs) (laughs) through you. I do strangely use less F-bombs on this podcast than I do in my real life. I think that's natural to, to censor yourself a bit when there's a hot microphone in front of you. Is it? I used to stream, my friend like streamed video games and I would get on with him and people would call me the girl with the sailor's mouth. So I don't know Mm. if I do naturally have that instinct. Or maybe video games just make me mad. That's probably what it is. Or maybe you've just grown up since you were, what, 19 years old? 
24. Oh, okay. 23. Okay, I've got I've got a trivia for you. We're going to play Price is Right, and you're the contestants. Mm-hmm. Knowing that this movie cost $18 million to put together and make, how much total gross do you think it brought in? Uh, 16. 1.2 million. Kelsey takes that easily. Oh. Are you serious, Trab? 1.2? I don't know. That sounded like a number. That's a vast sum of money. My monkey <laughs> brain can't compute that. Trevor doesn't understand money because he makes so much more of it than me. Like, oh. it's just like monopoly money to him. Go ahead. This movie grossed total $20.2 million. So it okay. it broke it even. Sense. It made some money back, but not enough to justify a sequel or, or any more studio, you know, interest. But... The fact that this movie made its money back does kind of disappoint me. It's not deserving. That's I thought it would lose a little bit. Yeah, that's where I would have guessed, right in that space. Speaking of space, if you enjoyed this podcast as a listener, please go ahead and share this podcast on MySpace or whatever social platform you use. I'm a little behind the times on those. Treb, Kelsey, do you all have anything else to add to Labor Day? This Watching this film was a day of labor (laughs) and that's all i have and what i have to add is if you want a movie with a kind of creepy subplot about a guy um like taking advantage of a position of power over a woman Mm -hmm. you should watch passenger instead because it's a much better film that's true or kate and leopold (laughs) (laughs) what's the next federal holiday i don't is it Thanksgiving? I think it might be Flag Day. Is there any movie about like Canadian Thanksgiving? I feel like we should do something to get you some Canada fans. There's a movie called Canadian Bacon that I quite like. It's a comedy with Chris Farley. Close enough. Yeah. Well, mm. thanks for coming out, Kelsey. Thanks for coming out, Treb. It's been a pleasure recording. Uh, I'll try to avoid more crappy holiday movies with you in the future since I've made you do this and Uncle Sam. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey's going to be choosing our next movie. I don't think we've come to a full answer on that quite yet, but... I'm going to think it over this weekend. Yeah, sometime in September, we're going to be doing uh, a movie that Kelsey's chosen. I'm pretty excited about that. Can't, Can't wait to fight about it, whatever it is. Yeah. In terms of what's next for the podcast, on September 14th, we should be publishing an episode about the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's a new Netflix exclusive, so it should be a pretty spicy take. Hopefully our listeners have time to watch it before they listen to the podcast, or not if they don't want to. It's a dealer's choice situation. As long as you listen to the podcast, I don't care what movies you watch. Have a great day. Bye.